Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So if I was to move to actively engage in assisting you with the acquisition, then I would need to know that it leads to a very, very, very significant role. Three varies. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Carry on. So I know the company. I know everything. I know my way around. I'm collaborative. I have the name. I am, I'm hot shit and I'm ready to go. Okay? Okay. Um, can I think? No. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Decoding TV. By the way, that was uh, audio very similar to me uh, inviting Kim to join Decoding TV <laughs> and uh, Cassie Kings, except I was Shiv in that situation, FYI. I'm hot shit, and I'm ready to go. <laughs> hot shit, ready to go. By the way, you can't think about this. Come join me in podcast about Game of Thrones, please. Anyway, You, um, let, me, you let me think about it for a good yeah, long while. For like 48 hours. <laughs> it was a good like 48 hours. Um, but anyway, I am David Chen. And I'm Kim Renfro. On this week's episode of Decoding TV, we're going to be discussing season four, episode seven of the HBO original series Succession, entitled Tailgate Party. We're going to spoil everything through this week's episode. We will not spoil anything from future week's episodes. That includes anything on the next time on preview or any other information that we may be aware of. You can find more episodes of this podcast at podcast.decodingtv.com. Email us at decodingtv at gmail.com. Find us on TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at decodingtv. We're posting new videos there all the time. And in particular, Lee, on, uh, on YouTube, we're broadcasting live. We'll probably be broadcasting our finale reactions live uh, at youtube.com slash decodingtv. So be sure to subscribe there. And of course, a big shout out to all the folks at decodingtv.com who make this podcast possible. If you're enjoying what we're doing here with the Succession Recaps, with This Week in Streaming, you want to support this show, make sure it continues going for long into the future. Become a paid member at DecodingTV.com. Get ad-free episodes, bonus episodes, and a bunch of other cool stuff. So uh, before we get to this week's episode, Kim Renfro, Season 4, Episode 7, a few follow-ups from last week. Uh, First of all, I want to start by talking about like a couple people mentioned Roman's mm. look at the end of last week's episode. There's a moment at the end of last week's episode where uh Kendall sends Roman a video of a heavily edited Logan who is degrading Roman in the video, right? It's like yeah. he edited it together to make it seem like Logan was making fun of Roman. Right. It's like one of those like you take individual words that someone has spoken and like splice them together to make it sound like they said a sentence that they've never actually said in real life. Like what Greg was tinkering with in that video. Yes, exactly. Kendall used that technology to send <laughs> a degrading message from the grave to yes. his brother. And we talked, to, I think I want to say I mentioned this a little bit in, in last week's episode, yeah. but we, we talked a little bit about it, about like the look on his face when he's listening to it. Um, some people interpreted it 
sexually, I don't interpret it that way. Well, first of all, there was, I, I thought there was a lot of confusion around what was going on in that mm. scene. I mean, first of all, uh, Kendall is sending it to Roman to make fun of him because Roman backed out of the presentation, right? He's like, you did me wrong and you backed out of the presentation and that's, I'm sending you this video to taunt you. That's kind right. of, uh, in, in kind of a lighthearted way, you know, like not a super hateful way, but like, yeah, it's like a big brother hot. I'm, yeah. I'm feeling like hot shit right now and I'm going to punch exactly. down for a second. Way. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Um, and then, uh, Roman plays it and I love Kieran Culkin's performance. Mm. Uh, he does this, he has this like nervous tick when he like, where he puts his finger into his mouth and like chews on his fingernails a little bit. And he does that tick and it's like, uh, it feels very authentic. And then he kind of puts the phone up to his ear and replays the video over and over again. And the, uh, interpretation I had of that facial expression was comfort. Like mm. he's playing it and he kind of is like, oh, this is like a sound that I've heard before, like, or I'm very familiar with this feeling and I kind of miss my dad and the association I have with my dad is of him humiliating me. Yeah. That is kind of what I interpreted that look as and I wanted to see if you had any different thoughts. Yeah, I I interpreted it the same way, again, in my feelings as I always am with the Roy kids. But like, to me, it was a very clear... uh very tet like it felt to me like a, a tender and painful moment of that that feeling after someone who you love dies it's very surreal when you like keep remembering that you're never going to see them again they're never yeah. going to call you again you're not going to hear their voice again and so like for roman for like the first time that he's hearing his dad presumably speak to him after his dad died is like this really twisted like prankish thing that Kendall did to him. I thought it was just like all mixed up in that. And like it, the, the sexual degradation piece had definitely not occurred to me in the moment. But now that you say that, I'm like, well, that, that bit of his personality has always seemed connected to me to like the abuse that he's endured often at the yeah. hands of his father, but other people too. Like, so I don't know. It didn't seem to me like, Oh, that voicemail is like, activating his degradation kink it's like I, I would agree i would agree some people interpret it that way i think but like i don't think so you know i think it's connected but i don't think he is getting any yeah so i didn't i didn't interpret his expression as sexual gratification at the end of last week's episode no um, it just seemed like emotional turmoil and pain in his like twitchy roman-esque way that he agreed. does things why do i feel the need to even clarify that is because <laughs> Is because I got to say, I think uh, the online theorizing has been out of control. Um, you know, which, we, which one broke you? What, what, was the, <laughs> what was the theory that broke you? We, we've been posting, you know, TikToks at TikTok.com slash at Decoding TV. And uh, I personally am very proud of our analysis and, uh, and the way we talk about shows here on Decoding TV. But uh, the, the videos that are getting, you know, millions of views are, is Cousin Greg Shiv's secret baby daddy you know like is logan still alive this whole time like those are the things that are getting like lots of views and i just like uh, you know sometimes it just feels like fundamentally a lot of people online um the the most charitable way i'll say it is are not watching the same show as me mm. and the least charitable way is do not understand the show that they're watching i mean this is this is not a show that traffics heavily in aha the whole time it was wrong you know like very rarely will it do a a, a surprise shocking yeah. twist like 
Yeah. Probably the closest thing I can think of is when Kendall pulls the rug out from under Logan in, at the end of season two, you know, like yeah. where he had like enlisted Greg's help with that to, to have like secret files ready. But right. in or general, like Tom the- being the one who betrayed shit, exactly. like Tom exactly. being the one who, who busted the deal type of thing. hundred yeah. Th- percent. Those are all things though, that, that those are all elements that are revealed within the episode. Like, yes. it's not like they're dragging this out for six episodes and aha, it's actually a different father, you know? Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I, it's, it's, it's possible that Logan is still secretly alive and it's possible that someone shocking is Shiv's baby daddy. Um, but I don't think so because that's not, doesn't seem to be the show that we have been presented with. So dramaturgically, it doesn't make much (laughs) sense. I would agree with you. I would agree with you, but, uh, it's, it is wild to see kind of how, rampant some of these theories are online and um in general we will try to avoid that kind of speculation yeah you're on Look, decoding tv but the, yeah. the hbo viewers are still recovering from westworld season two okay <laughs> <laughs> it was a it was yeah. a rough it was a rough uh yeah, yeah. fan theorizing experience for all and i'm not sure that everyone is healed from that yet so, so true so true so true um, okay, a couple of other things. Um, Austin at DecodingTV.com wrote in about this. A reference to real life that you might not have caught during Kendall's speech in Season 4, Episode 6, when he's listing the three things you get with Living Plus, when he gets the third thing, he says, but one more thing, which is what Steve Jobs said when introducing the first iPhone. It became an iconic line in his future iPhone presentations, end quote. Um, yes, uh, that I did catch that. Didn't mention it during the podcast episode, but yes, I did like that That Kendall said one more thing, and one more thing is now like a common refrain in these big huh. corporate presentations of which Steve Jobs was the master. The iPhone presentation where he presented like three things, it's like, uh, you know, an advanced iPod, an internet communicator, a phone, you know, he's like, we're introducing three new products. It's the same product. It's, <laughs> it's one of the greatest corporate yeah. presentations of all time and of course kendall royd would want to imitate it yeah um but yes thanks for the call out austin go ahead kim what were you gonna say i was gonna say because i don't think that i mentioned this specifically last week either i did mention like oh you know roman is being golf carted through the actual like burbank warner lot yes. and i was just there i don't know that i specified that the reason i was there was I was a press invite for the rollout of like the new uh, Max Max design, um, and like so HBO the, Max, but cleaner, right? Right, so. and like I, I, I was like in a fancy auditorium that I had never like experienced before, and like different CEOs and executives came out and did like a whole like video plus speaking presentation, and so it's just it's been. This season of Succession in particular has just been wildly, like, and very unpredictably overlapping with, like, real-life experiences I'm having, like, as the episodes are airing. It's very trippy. And the, yeah. and that just keeps... The, 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 the roles keep coming. No, that's not a phrase. Did, uh, did David Zaslov do a... And one more thing at the Max presentation, or... I don't know, to you be know, honest. What, one, one more thing. Uh, here comes Honey Boo Boo season 18. <laughs> Is on the way. <laughs> I actually, Perhaps. I actually want to say that the one more thing was probably in part the reveal that House of the Dragon, or not House of the Dragon, that um, the Duncan Egg that the yes. Hedgenut series was a coming. New, a new, a new Game of Thrones spinoff is potentially on the way. They right? did save that for like 
towards the end of the presentation, yes. if I remember that's the, correctly. That's the, that was the one more thing. Everyone's that's doing... the iPhone. Kendall the Roy... iPhone of HBO is another <laughs> Game of Thrones show. Yes, yes, precisely, precisely. Uh, all right. Well, anyway, thank you to Austin for writing. And of course, uh, we'd love to hear your comments and feedback at decodingtv.com or uh, decodingtv at gmail.com. Uh, thanks for all the follow-ups from last week's episode. Let's talk about this week's episode, season four, episode seven, Tailgate Party. Let's start by talking about overall thoughts. Kim Renfro, we're going to spoil the episode. So what were your overall thoughts on season four, episode seven? I thought this was like one of the more surreal episodes of television mm-hmm. I've ever watched mm-hmm. for a mm-hmm. lot of reasons. Um, but definitely because of the the buildup and like the, what's the word for it? The like contrast between the idea of like a, tailga- a tailgate party, like this is fun. This is like before a concert or a football game or something mm-hmm. with like, the incredibly dark emotional tenor that was left by the end of the episode. Um, Just more, it felt very, again, to me, like very masterfully written and performed. Yeah. The thing that this episode reminded me a lot of is an episode of the Sopranos. I believe it was season four called white caps. Um, Sorry, Kim, uh, did you watch the Sopranos? I forget. I don't, I I don't think you have, right? Okay. So I've seen like the first seven episodes. Yeah. Everyone out um, there, forgive me for not. Let me just say, masterpiece of a show. I actually did a rewatch like a year or two ago. Yeah, still holds up. Still, it was. It is still a show. There's some shows that's like, oh, it's too old. You, it doesn't. It's not relevant anymore. Right. Um, this is take, a show that's still. You can take it off the list of yeah, things this, that you will inevitably watch someday. I absolutely would still rep- recommend this one. It is still, still holds up. Um, still is very very relevant to America today, in my opinion. Hell yeah. Um, and there there's and you know I'm I'm sorry but I'm going to spoil a season oh, I think please. four episode. I love spoilers. But um in White Caps there's an episode of Sopranos called White Caps where um Tony Soprano and his wife Carmela uh basically get divorced or they mm. they initially decide they're going to get divorced. And it is a massive shouting match that ensues between the two of them that uh, where all these like pent up resentments and feelings come out, uh, and it's really brilliantly acted by James Gandolfini and Edie Falco, um, and a lot of Whitecaps vibes from this episode of the show. You know what is great about this episode of the show and the relationship between Shiv and Tom is it does a good job of capturing how messy these breakups can be right and how one day you're sleeping with this person and the next day you are screaming at them and often when a relationship disintegrates it's not all at once and Mm. you know you never hear from them again it is um it's like a rubber band you know sometimes Mm. the the two people are closer sometimes they're farther sometimes they snap back together again uh and i think that's what this episode does a really good job of capturing um the other stuff, the corporate machinations is fine. Pretty good. Some some fun stuff in there. But the Shiv and Tom stuff I thought was pretty awesome. Pretty excellent. Well acted. And I think that what is also great about this episode is like the full arc of the season is really coming into focus. You know, we're seven episodes in and it really does feel like we are witnessing the disintegration 
of the Empire. Like, mm. these do not feel like they are characters that are really in control of their destiny, right? That, like, Kendall, uh, what is the line that Nate says? You know, like, you always seem like you want to get laid at a party or something. Like, he's. Yeah, I forgot how quick you or he, how fast you want to get laid at a party. Right. It's just, he's just something. so eager. He, he's just, he's just grasping at any, at any, in any direction for some kind of purchase. Uh, and, you know, Roman is losing one of his most powerful and most knowledgeable supporters. In I, this I would say lost. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. By the end of it has lost. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, Shiv and Tom, like arguably like they, there were things that Tom provided for Shiv that were good. Some things not so good, but uh, that is also going away. So we're, we're kind of witnessing like in the absence of Logan, it's not like, Oh, the kids step in and everything's great. It's like, uh, things are falling apart and we are witnessing it fall apart. And it, it, it's, it feels like it's heading towards a very sad and lonely end game for all mm. of these characters. And mm-hmm. so I like that. I like that part of it as well. You know, like I, I think that is, I love, I love that. Love that vibe. I think yeah. that is, you know, dramaturgically interesting. It right? is so dramaturgically that, interesting. That's, that is, that is where it feels like it, it is, you know, the right thing for this story to go. The yeah. right direction for the story to go. So, yeah, and I especially love. We've been talking about the the sort of like ticking clock timeline that they've been on, and how like it's obvious now that we're getting one day at a time in the lead up to this election, right? Yeah. In general, each Just episode about- has taken each episode has taken place over the course of roughly twenty four hours. Each episode of the okay, season, right? Yeah. So, yeah, the fact that like they built in that sort of like ticking clock feeling mm-hmm. now combined with like okay logan's already dead but like we're obviously still rolling towards some type of like disaster <laughs> um, yeah, yeah and then in this episode they like added it was like they added extra ticks into their ticking clock with like connor being like pulls open in 10 hours so it's like now we're even down to like the hour by hour reality that things are on a precipice yeah, uh, you know, I, I think we have skipped some days, you know, in, yeah. in this time. It's not like it's been like every day, you know, like the Matson going to visit Matson and then flying back and all that. You know, they they we did skip a little bit of time, but like by and large, it's it's been right. one day per episode, and and that has added a lot of tension to the the series. So yeah, we're on episode seven, and Connor had said it was ten days till the election. Yeah. In the, so so yeah, it's coming roughly- a little early. Yeah. 36 hours per episode or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On average, I think it's like 30.5 <laughs> hours per episode. Great. So anyway, um, so some good stuff. The the whole maneuvering stuff, Kendall maneuvering, we've already tried. We've seen that many, many times before. Like, I don't find it that interesting. But the Shiv Tom stuff is great. Um, and uh, and kind of the individual arcs of each character is, is still, you know, you just you just get a sense of where this is all going. So I, I like that. Uh, overall, I would say it's a solid episode, you know, um, not amazing, not awful. And the Shiv Tom stuff really does elevate it for me and, yeah. and, and potentially, potentially brings it to great status, you know? Mm. So yeah. Yeah. All right, Kim, uh, before we move on, I want to talk about the fact that today's episode of decoding TV is brought to you by the McDonald's app. And do you know what most people, including billionaires like the Roy's like, I'm sure. Uh, free food, 
free food, you know, free free things in general. You don't get to become uh, massively wealthy without taking advantage of a lot of free things. But free food in particular, I think, is very appealing. And do you want to know how you get a free Big Mac at McDonald's or a free McChicken or maybe some free fries on your way home from work? Order with the McDonald's app, get points for ordering, and then redeem those points for free food. Did you know McDonald's is giving away free Big Macs, fries, whatever else you love? All you got to do is order something with the app and it earns you points towards free food. Uh, let me ask you a question, Kim Renfro. If you could have one thing from the reward menu at McDonald's for free forever, what would it be? Like one item that you could eat? Fries. Duh. Fries. Yes. Yeah. McDonald's fries all day. And a vanilla shake if I can manage it because then I dip fries in my shake. That's my that's my fast food move. I used to be really obsessed with Big Macs as a kid. You know, oh. I, I kind of love that special sauce. Uh, but yeah, I, I I think I used to eat Big Macs all the time when I was a uh, when I was a child. My mom would take me. It would be, be something I really look forward to. Um, but yeah, I would strongly recommend you use the McDonald's app. Earn points for ordering. Redeem those points for free food. It's that simple. Earn free food with the McDonald's app at participating McDonald's. Copyright 2023 McDonald's. Thanks to McDonald's for sponsoring this episode of Decoding TV. All right, Kim, let's talk about season four, episode seven, Tailgate Party. What we're going to do is there is before the Tailgate Party and then there is at the Tailgate Party. So we'll just talk about each of the plot lines before the Tailgate Party and then talk about what happens at the, at the Tailgate Party. Um, there's an episode that opens. This is an episode that opens with private chefs helping Tom give Shiv breakfast in bed. Um, really kind of her couch thingy the morning after they their rekindled physical relationship from the day before. Now it's the morning of election Eve and Tom is obsessed with the day going perfectly. Uh, Tom says the polls indicate Jimenez, the democratic candidate is up by four in the polls. Uh, and Tom gives Shiv a gift, a preserved scorpion, which she does not take well at all. Uh, and I am curious, uh, you know, you know, Kim Renfro, have you ever been given a scorpion, uh, as a gift or anything, anything like it from someone who is not your current partner? (laughs) I don't want to get (laughs) no, but like, certainly I'm, I was like, when did he buy that? (laughs) Like how, how long has he been keeping a preserved scorpion? In a box. Well, you know, Amazon does same day delivery these oh. days, so it's like you know maybe Fair. he he overnighted it to himself. Um, yeah, but... he like weirdly overplays the like joke of like, haha, we hate each other. Like, I think like they kind of like to do that with one another from time to time, and like it's just so obvious that in some way Shiv does not want to be called a deadly scorpion <laughs> by Tom. Mm-hmm. She doesn't think of herself that way, even though she is that, in my opinion. Right. But like, I, yeah, I don't know. It was weird how that triggered. That was like the thing that that chilled stuff between them. But even still, you know, they were still sexing later. She she seemed to get over it. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Tom and Greg firing people. You know, oh, there is a scene where Tom and Greg fire people over video conference uh, Waystar is in ruthless capitalism mode on pre-election day, letting go of uh, 118 staffers and three staff in three days. I don't know if it's they let go of that many, or if, that's how many Greg was responsible for. Oh, um, true. It's possible right. they let go of more. Jeez. Um, <laughs> but 
I wanted to talk briefly about the scene because I think it is a reference to at least one real life event. Um, the scene where they're firing people in this episode of Succession, uh, to me, evoked a very viral moment in, I want to say, late 2021, early 2022. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it could be earlier than that. But Vishal Garg, uh, the CEO of mortgage lender startup Better.com, mm. uh, he laid people, he laid off 15% of his workforce in a video that went viral online. It was released online. Uh, and he said, quote, this is the second time in my career I'm doing this, and I do not want to do this. The last time I did it, I cried. This time I hope to be stronger, end quote. Uh, and it's very similar to what Tom says in this uh, layoff where he says, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm hoping like I won't cry this time because I'm very emotional. And of course, he does. then he shows moments later that he doesn't actually really care. Let me give you some advice for all the CEOs that are listening to this episode of Decoding TV. If you are laying off hundreds of people, do not tell people how hard it is for you. <laughs> Nobody gives a shit how hard <laughs> it is for you. And every and by the way, this this Vishal Gar guy was not the last person to do this. Like he went viral, got completely dragged on the internet, and then other people, CEOs, feel like oh, when they get they're laying people off, this is the perfect time to tell people how hard your life is and how bad it makes you feel. No one gives a fuck. Like you are making people's lives harder and more difficult, and possibly threatening their ability to make ends meet. Um, do not make it about you. If there's one takeaway you have from decoding TV, do not make it about you. But yeah, um, Kim, uh, you know, I, I have to acknowledge the elephant in the room. Yeah, which is that uh, Kim is <laughs> uh, is an employee at Insider.com, and recently Insider announced that they are laying off 10% of staff, uh, which is a huge portion of uh, the newsroom and other other areas of the company. Um, and so you have had some up close experience with this kind of layoff in recent memory. And uh, I guess I'm curious watching this episode. Uh, how did you feel when the, the, the one, two punch of Tom and Greg deliver this? Back? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, my, I, I'm pretty sure it's one of the only times like my jaw has opened, <laughs> like my jaw dropped of like, Oh, this literally sometimes I was like, Oh my God, there it's, 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 it's a real, I, it was surreal. I think I said that at the start of the episode, like watching a lot of this episode was surreal. Um, because yeah, it was about, it was April 20th was when Insider, um, it was like publicly announced. There were like news articles about our company, which like happens from time to time, but it's, I've worked there for nine years and it was the first time that they did like, um, Yes, like publicly confirmed, we are calling this a layoff. It's a certain percentage of the staff. And so needless to say, it's been an incredibly challenging uh, few weeks, especially since I'm part of our union's bargaining committee. And therefore, I've been like involved in conversations about how the layoffs will affect, uh, how the proposed layoffs could affect unionized members, including myself. Um, so yeah, it was like to have this week be like, 
I was doing that work for Insider, and then I would like come out. Yeah, and, and I'm like, hey, Kim, come, get your mind off of work. You know, <laughs> yeah. come, watch and ta- watch Succession and talk about it with me. Which is what um, I thought I was doing when I settled in to watch my screener. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, the real world just kind of rolled right through me once again. I keep I texted I texted like a friend, and I was like, my plots are plotting. Like the plot line, the, the, the plot lines in my real mm-hmm. life are uh, uncomfortably Venn diagramming with like mm-hmm. my work with the shows that I love. But again, it like it really speaks to the fact that the writers and creators of this show have like thoroughly done their homework in terms of being able to like both anticipate trends in the media industry and politics and how they might play out, and also reflect like history of how media and politics have played out in the past, whether that was like 20 years ago, you know, like we get like a Nixon reference in this episode from Connor, I think, versus like two years ago with the insurrection or with even outside of Insider, we've been talking about the rolling layoffs that are hitting every industry. And again, the fact that I like this week rolled out of a union meeting, looked at Twitter and I was like, oh, the WGA strike just started. One of the first strike signs that I saw was someone saying, pay the writers or we'll spoil succession. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, again, how many like, it's been a surreal week. So, yeah. yeah. Um, well, we're all wishing Kim Ren for the best. And obviously I have the highest estimation of her and her talents. Um, Thanks, Steve. But a little bit more about this scene. Uh, so there is the tone deafness of like, um, you know, in the past, I've tried to do this and I've cried or, you know, I'm going to try not to cry this time. Like, no one gives a shit. You know, don't don't make it about you. But the chat, the Zoom chat. Oh, uh, the like, Zoom chat. Okay, okay. So here's, <laughs> here's some a, confusion in the chat. Yeah. So here's here's the thing. I, I feel like this is the most competent we've ever seen, Greg. Um, he reads a uh, statement and he does a decent job of reading it. He sees that there is something going on in the Zoom chat. There's confusion. He's like, oh, I see this confusion in the chat. Uh, you've all been let go. Goodbye. Um, may God have mercy on your soul. And End call. Um, I don't know. The part where he like thumbsed up Tom on camera <laughs> by accident and had to change mm. it into like a finger gun. <laughs> <laughs> well, putting that aside. Uh, I don't it- want to. <laughs> It could it could have been it could have been much worse uh, on the Greg standpoint. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not I'm not going to say he did a good job. I'm saying this is the most competent I think we've seen him. The um, fact that later in the episode he says like HR says I'm the right guy for the job because it looks like I care but I don't mm-hmm. was like okay cool you're he's competent at being sociopathic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Which I guess is the. That's the log line for the show. Those, those are the skills. <laughs> that's the skills I'm praising. So that's that's the Roy Waystar Royco way. Yeah. Uh, all right. So that's the the layoffs that happen, and uh, we should also point out that 2023 has been an absolute bloodbath for media layoffs in general. Like somebody recently posted online all the media layoffs that were happening. Uh, you know, BuzzFeed nude shutting down. Vice. Spotify, Vice is going bankrupt. Like all, it is Disney. the The former, the former world of media as we know it is feels like it is coming to an end. I, I'm not saying that media has not always been unstable. It always has been unstable to some degree um, for many for many decades. But it really feels like this this particular breed of media company that came up in the over the course of the last couple decades, where 
scale was really important, where get, reaching tens of millions of viewers is really important, um, where you were venture funded and you tried to get bigger, faster than everyone else. It really feels like that era. A lot of people have said like that era, the your BuzzFeed newses and so on, it's and, and your voxes and so on, like it's it's largely coming to an end. And we will see what the new world order of media is like. All right, a couple of other scenes to mention before we get to the party. Uh, there's a scene where Kendall is meeting Rava on the Upper East Side because their daughter is freaked out by the election. Doesn't want to go to school because people have been bullying her uh, for uh, for like ra- with racially tinged language, I think, or you know, uh, somebody pushed past her wearing a Ravenhead T-shirt, um, which so, is like the equivalent of like a Tucker, Tucker Carlson, Carlson yeah. or. Fox but, News. but if if uh, if there's anything to go by in the real world, you know, uh, don't worry, Rava and Sophie. Like Ravenhead's going to be out soon. Uh, he'll be unceremoniously removed, just like Tucker was in the real world. So, uh, but yeah, uh, this scene was just surprising to me because I think you had pointed out, Kim, that we have rarely seen uh, Kendall's family throughout this whole season. season and so yeah. to see Rava this episode and to like have like real life intrude on him again. Um, every single time we've seen the Kendall Rava dynamic since season one, it has basically gotten progressively worse and worse. And yeah. this is probably the nadir of it. Um, any thoughts on that before we move on? Yeah, I mean it's it's a very sad picture of co-parenting where like she uh, she's clearly trying to like bring him a problem, and like you realize eventually through their fight that she's just trying to say, "Can you call her?" Like mm-hmm. it might make her feel better if you call her, but he like can't even finish listening to what Rava wants because he immediately goes into like defensive, like angry mode about it because he's fearful, and it's like again just so many reminders of like real world experiences of like that tension that I think people feel in the lead up to an election even if you don't have as pivotal and direct of a role in it as someone like Kendall does. But like he's in full, like, again, as you described, like trying to grasp for things mode. And it's just like failing to like genuinely connect or like do something helpful every chance given, you know, like he's in, he's very destructive in this episode. I think there's also a parallel to, I want to say Jared and Ivanka. Um, Mm where in the post-Trump presidency, they had some amount of difficulty kind of reintegrating to their social circle, especially after January 6th, they had a lot of difficulty reintegrating to their social circles. And um, not all the time, but sometimes there is often a conflict between um, the type of people that the people who run these companies want to be associated with and who they actually can associate with, you know? that it's like, hey, you run one of the largest right-wing mouthpieces ever known in the history of mankind, but a lot of people who don't like that, um, you know, don't necessarily want to hang out with you. And, and yeah. those are the people that you might want to hang out with. And and I think that this is uh, a kind of sign that like, hey, um, it is not a thing where you can separate your home life from... Yeah. The stuff that you do in work if you work for a company like Waystar Royco. So especially at a time where Kendall's choosing to try to tank the deal for the sake of continuing to, to right. control it himself, meaning yeah. he's trying to tie himself even more intrinsically to this company and Rava's screaming at him on the street saying, You run a racist news organization. <laughs> like yeah. 
and your child is feeling the direct threat of that. So like, how do you want to deal with that, Roman? Also, another fun fact while we're talking about Kim. Kendall, you mean? I think you said Roman just now. Yes. Sorry, Kendall. Uh Um, The coffee shop that they're meeting at, Birch Coffee, I recognized immediately because it was around the corner of one of my apartments in New York for like many years. So like, once again, this episode just kept like throwing me into like weird, surreal, like crossovers between Mm. my life and succession. But Birch Coffee, you can visit it if you want on the Upper East Side. All of Logan's kids get brunch in Columbus Circle uh, at at a meeting where they discuss uh, the funeral uh, and they kind of negotiate like how the funeral is going to go, who's going to speak and so on and so forth. Um, After Connor leaves, Roman and Kendall tell Shiv that they want to continue trying to tank the Gojo deal by pushing a regulatory angle, potentially by getting Shiv's ex-boyfriend, Nate, a top influencer in the Jimenez campaign, you know, to play to go along uh with what their plan is shiv calls madsen immediately to warn him about the regulatory angle her brothers are planning uh and says he needs to accept the invite from the now dead logan to the tailgate party at her house Uh, she thinks having him there will prevent tendal and logan's plan from working and keep her in madsen's inner circle during this transition um so yeah those are that's kind of the setup for the party anything else before we get to the party itself just that we then see Shiv like sexting with Tom, and I of course pause to read the messages because I'm nosy. Yes, <laughs> and yes. apparently they were having a marathon sex session yes. like the whole night before. So like the under the sort of build up to their big blow up and Tom being like clearly beyond the point of exhaustion and stress uh, is like is sewn in there. It's foreshadowed a little bit because he's so tired that he was. He's so tired from all the sex that he's going to uh, lash out at all of these important guests, unfortunately. So, all right. Poor guy. Rest of the episode uh, turns into each of the siblings fighting battles amongst the bigger war for control of Waystar uh, at this tailgate party. Kendall literally says, let the games begin. So Kendall spends the episode trying to get all these different people uh, like Nate and therefore by extension Jimenez and Frank to back him. And he continues trying to sabotage the deal. Um, there's a fun moment where Kendall like welcomes all the people, has a moment of silence, but then Matson comes in and interrupts at the worst possible moment. Um, I like how Kendall introduces all these people we've never seen before. Uh, the I podcaster. Like are, the, yeah, the, the pod goddess. I want to know who the pod goddess is. I want to know what that person's podcast is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's uh, he's introducing all these people. And I think it's a situation where, um he uh <laughs> it, it it's probably people who were like connected with the production of the show that the show wanted to thank uh i i would personally love a scene you know where i was thanked um by kendall <laughs> and then never referred to or talked about again for the rest of the show that yeah. would be exactly how i would hope to be connected with a show like succession but um but i like the uh nate and kendall dialogue there's this moment where kendall's trying to desperately get nate on board with his plan but then nate comes back and uh needs to be more buttoned up and it's very painful when we've seen this before where somebody needs to be more buttoned up by by which i mean more formal you know nate says something like uh i'm i'm uncomfortable with the tenor of this conversation you know and that's he that's a very legal 
legally defensible statement that he can make. Um, right. And Kendall's trying to say, no, BS, man. I, I know you. You're not like that. It's very similar to when Kendall tried to get out of that billions of dollars in debt from season one. And the guy was mm-hmm. like, hey, you owe us $5 billion. And he said, come on, go fuck yourself. And it's like, it, that right. is not the mode that Kendall is best at, in operating in, you know? No. And I, I'm like, Nate calls him on it, right? He says yeah. like, I'm not Gil, you're not Logan. And that's a good that's thing. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Truest but, thing, truest thing said all episode. Basically. Honestly. And like, but like Kendall can't see it. And it was the same thing in that case with that phone call that you just referenced, right? Like he had a whole strategy that him and Jerry had already worked on. And then it was like at the last minute, he was like, no, I should do what my dad would have done, which is be an angry asshole on this call. And it was the wrong call. And so like every, I feel like, yeah, we're just seeing how any effort Kendall makes to recreate Logan's impact on people around him usually fails and usually just winds up being embarrassing. and this was one more example of that for sure. And like, I also thought it was interesting that we see through his private conversations with Nate that like Kendall's operating on the assumption that Jimenez is going to win this election. Yeah. Because part of the regulatory angle is he's saying to Nate, will whatever news organization I'm in charge of at the end of all this, whether it's ATN or Pierce or whatever, Kendall's trying to say like, we'll ease up on your, on coverage of him, of your candidate, your guy in the first hundred days of office in exchange for you pushing this anti-regulatory or this regulatory angle, um, anti-Gojo deal. Uh, basically a bribe, you know? Yeah. But, uh, but like under the assumption that Mencken can't win, whereas Roman, the whole party is like full. He's on the Nazis. He's on the Nazi whatever advocate train and like i just yeah again a lot of contrasts happening in this episode roman spends his time trying to get connor to drop out of the presidential race and then eventually uh confronts jerry this is the part of the episode that like kind of didn't really make much sense to me kim uh first of all if the election is tomorrow then connor dropping out is not really going to help that much like the ballots are already printed um right everyone would have to hand write in it doesn't, Mankin's name, presumably. well, not not hand no, right they, in, but, or sorry, they would just yeah. vote right in. Yeah, yeah, but but the the idea. So the idea of why does someone like Connor run? The idea is that uh, I, I would say largely two things. And if you're into politics, feel free to write into decodingtv at gmail.com and correct me on this. Um, but my sense is like there's two big reasons why someone like that would run and and get support and then take their support and throw it behind someone else, right? Number one is to change the winning candidate's platform somehow, right? So it's like you want there to be billions of dollars more for green energy and the leading candidate doesn't. And you're saying, okay, leading candidate, I'll throw my support behind you if you give me $5 billion for green energy, whatever it is, whatever the amount is for for whatever purpose, right? Mm -hmm. So like you want to change the platform. That's one purpose. Another purpose is kind of what we see in this episode, which is you want to get some sweet position in the administration, right? Like the, whatever administration results, you want to get some position in there. Um, that's generally why people like Connor run at all is to like achieve one of those ends. So for him to initially say, well, I'm not dropping out. It's like, well, what, what, what is the purpose of this then? I, I didn't get that. And then it's like, yes, it, the timeline is a little bit too close for it to make a difference. Usually you would drop out like weeks or months before, um, so that the other person could like absorb all of your supporters. But anyway, 
I am not a uh, like super knowledgeable about the way these politics work. So if I'm wrong in any of this, decoding TV at gmail.com, let me know. But um, I think we're seeing a little bit hand wavy, slightly unrealistic version of how this would play out. Uh, that said, pretty funny stuff with uh, Roman trying to sell Connor, not posts you would assume that Connor would want. Like, right. Or Oman, not. Yeah. You know? Uh, or uh, I think it was uh, Mogadishu a, was another one, right? Yeah, one um, of the a, a Slavic country. Did, is that what they said at some point? Or like one of the, the Slovenias? The Slovenias. Um, but I, I think that's, yeah. So anyway, he's throwing around a bunch of different options. And then uh, Connor eventually declines because Willa is supporting him and saying, hey, you know, F this, we don't need this. Also, Willa probably doesn't want to, Move to Oman just because Willa likes the city is my the sense. The fact that one of her first questions about where they would live was would it be above ground was like <laughs> God. Yeah. Yeah. And she and she again to your to your um Ivanka Jared point, she says, like, this is for Mencken. You know, all my friends and family hate Mencken. <laughs> like it's the right. first indication that we get of like what her family really thinks about her now marriage to Connor and therefore connection to this like larger right wing um, fascist conservative movement in this story. I did look up Muscat, which is the city that they were going to move to in Oman. And it looks very beautiful to be fair. Um, But apparently the average temperature is 107 degrees, I think. So it it would involve some real, uh, real changes to to their lifestyle. But just Um, like a very, a very, another good example of like the crass way that these people think about these positions of power. And like when he says, oh, Oman is a poor man's Saudi Arabia or a rich man's Yemen. And like, it's just all, everything in this episode and in the buildup to the election with the Roy's is like very through this tilt of like American bias and xenophobia and yeah elitism that's all rotten inside yeah um n- not 107 degrees but you know around like 90 to 100 degrees i just want to be clear i don't want to get my muscat facts correct, <laughs> that's really anyway, important yeah um I, I agree completely uh there is a scene where roman gets wiped uh gets the floor wiped by, by jerry uh, or jerry wipes the floor with roman is what i'm trying to say yes um, when he kind of tries to like take back the firing, but Jerry says, I'm out. I'm not putting up with any of this BS. And there's this heartbreaking line when she says, I could have got you there. You know, I could have got you there. And I do think that that is true. And if you recall, right, the reason she couldn't get him there is because of his pride, you know, because he fires this woman and then she says to him, Hey, you can't do that. And then he fires Jerry uh, and if he had been a little bit more humble, a little bit more intellectually curious, a little bit more open to feedback, uh, then it, things might not have ended so terribly. I would, I would roll that all the way back to season three if he mm-hmm. hadn't sent that dick pic to Logan. Yeah, there you go. Like that that was all initiated because she messaged him being like, you're doing a good job with like his Gojo negotiations yeah. Yeah. and everything. And he just could not resist doing that in that moment. which then blew the lid for both of them. But like, remember when Roman wanted to marry Jerry? Remember when he said like, should we get like, yeah, this was, it was a very rough, what I assume was pretty final nail in the coffin of any. Of the um, Jerry Roman stands uh, or shippers, I should say. Right. 
Right. I like I yeah, the fact that he said like I can stand in a cupboard while you jerk off in a cupboard while you explain the SEC to me. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's season 2. Roman and Jerry. <laughs> Not anymore. You ruined it. So it, yeah. it is really sad. Uh there is this line in Do you ever see uh uh Steve Jobs the Aaron Sorkin movie? No. No about it, but So uh, the the Steve Jobs saga at Apple is a fascinating one. Steve Jobs created Apple, rose to the you know uh, significant heights in the computing field. Uh, Apple got taken over by I want to say John Scully. Is that right? The Pepsi guy. Um, uh, yeah, he took over Apple and then or or forced Steve Jobs out of Apple. Right then, Steve Jobs comes back. And, uh, they, and it is like one of the greatest CEO turnarounds in all of business history and, you know, launches all these amazing iMacs and then eventually the iPhone and the iPhone takes over the world. It's, you know, it's like, it's an amazing story. And in the movie, Steve Jobs with Aaron Sorkin, and Danny Boyle, there's this moment where, uh, one of them says to the other, I think it's Steve Jobs says to John Scully, like the things we could have done, you know, the things we could have done together, basically, like, if you hadn't come here back into my company and tried to force me out. Um, and it's a very similar line and dynamic when mm. Jerry says, I could have gotten you there. You know, yeah. it's a very similar line. Very, very sad. And it's, it also kind of is like, there's people who are like, Oh, you know, on Twitter, Kim, you see people like, Oh, I'm standing Roman and Jerry, like, or I'm shipping Roman and Jerry. They're like the best relationship ever, blah, blah. blah. And this is the show being like, this is not that kind of show. Like, this is not the show where the the fantasy of these people running off together is going to happen. Right? Sure. It's- or like, even I, you know, at the after the premiere of this season, I wrote about like the Tom Gregg shipping because mm-hmm. I I'm very entertained and delighted by the dynamic between well, that, those that two I characters. Think, that but like, I think still might be a thing. But but well, yes. <laughs> but like, just in the same way where it's like by saying I'm into that, I'm not yeah. trying to say like they're going to skip happily ever after and like live new lives together by the finale. But like the, the clear intimacy being built between different pairs of characters here and then either being strengthened or destroyed, I think is what's very interesting to watch. And so like, this is just yeah, a moment mostly where, destroyed. Right. Mostly destroyed. We're, we just, we're, we're seeing the final death knell of a, uh, jerry and roman's intimacy here i think like she gives him the legal terms of how she wants their relationship to go from the from that point forward which is basically no relationship and if she ever gets a whiff of like counter argument to whatever her reputational bullet points are she will sue the ever-living shit out of him and like that that's that she's about to be a, a couple hundred million richer yeah she wants hundreds of millions of dollars is what she has said so is that biz- yeah? Give me the business reasonableness of that. I mean, that's a pretty high payout. I want to say, like, I'm used to seeing like tens of millions of dollars. You know, maybe I think, it's like, tens of millions publicly, and then she's demanding yeah. more of his like private fortune on the back end. I don't know. Yeah, um, like for instance, like Bob Chapek. Okay, so uh, Bob Chapek, head of C- uh, CEO of Disney. He recently got unceremoniously removed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob Iger, he basically got fired, and Bob Iger's replacing right. him. The he's going to get a he's going to get around twenty million for his troubles. 
like for for basically just doing nothing and being fired, right? Like that's what he's going to get. This might be a a wrong tangent. I was going to say, what was the uh, Moonves exit? Wasn't that Mm. tens of millions? Um, he did not receive any severance because of the allegations. So who am I thinking of? I don't. Someone, someone did leave and get money. I don't know. That, but that's happened in business, David. Chen. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You're um, welcome. This is a decoding uh, I, TV exclusive. <laughs> um so I, I will say like uh Sundar Pichai, the uh CEO of Google, mm-hmm. uh has a reported pay of two hundred twenty six million dollars per year. But he is the CEO of freaking Google. Like so it, it just hundreds of millions of dollars struck me as a little bit high. If she had said tens of millions, I'd be like, yes, absolutely. Hundreds of millions. Okay, fine. That, But that is like full on blackmail at that point from my perspective, you know? Well, given the evidence yes. she clearly has. Yes. Is I, it- I mean, I'm not saying she does not deserve to slay Queen. I'm just saying, I'm just saying hundreds of millions is like, wow, that's high. Like compared to, you know, compared saying, to the other amounts I've quoted, right? Yeah, you're saying so. this is bananas and also good for you, yes. Jerry. <laughs> you know, uh, Lucille Bluth voice, good for her. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> what else? What else happens this episode? Just, Nothing, just a couple. That's it. That's it. Cu- that's couple <laughs> of other plot lines. Couple of other plot lines. So all the you know, Shiv helps to negotiate Matson around. She's taking Matson around to person by person, uh, and he's making a decent impression. You know. Matson continues to taunt Ebba, which is just a terrible idea because, you know, this is already a bad situation. They're further inflaming it. Um, but Greg manages to somehow impress Matson a little bit with news of his firing people. Um, the, the clip I played at the beginning of the episode is Shiv making the pitch for Matson, you know, like, hey, you should hire mm. me. But again, Kim Renfro, again, even when Shiv is winning, she is losing. She overplays her hand. She yeah. overplays her hand, right? She like, misreads the room. You can't every single fucking time. Every single fucking time. Uh, I, I'm thinking back to remember season two when they like Logan wants her to take the stage at the Argestes conference. I think it is right, and she's like, "I haven't been read. I haven't been briefed into this snare." You know, she doesn't play her hand strategically in the right way, in my opinion. And this is another example yeah. where she comes off too eager um right and uh and it, it, you can tell it is very off-putting to Madsen from my perspective right like it's a to me it's a it's a solid speech and like <laughs> she kind of I kind of believe her yes. but like I know that Madsen doesn't and I know that <laughs> yes. that's the wrong thing to I know the that that's the wrong thing, thing to, to tell Madsen in that, at that moment point. very yeah. very very th- three varies you yeah. know or that's- like <laughs> he tried to kind of give her an out and yeah. she wouldn't take it. Like what, her, what are you him being to? like him being like, can I think about it? And she's like, mm. no. And I was like, Shiv, you should like you should have been like, yeah, of course, buddy. Let's get back out there. Like, yeah, yeah. But yeah. the fact that he leaves, the fact that he leaves the room and says, "That's my girl." I was like, nope, <laughs> no, that was bad. If a grown man's mm. calling you a girl in a business conversation, you have not like that is a. That is a sign that whatever respect you thought was going both ways there just flew mm. out the window. Note to self, stop saying that's my girl to Kim after we finish our <laughs> podcast recordings. No, I'm just joking. I don't ever say that to her. <laughs> uh, now, she, now I- <laughs> she would have resigned a long time ago. 
I would have. <laughs> you would have just heard that preview episode and then never a word from never me again. Again, would have never heard from her again. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I agreed. Like, and this is not the first time that she's done this, and it's just she's just like, I guess we're just going to keep trying the same tactics and see if they work. You know, it so. happened. I thought that you were about to bring up the Pierce deal because the first time, yeah. Yeah, 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 like again, nothing like she at, was at saying table, was at the right. dinner table, right? Yeah, nothing she was saying was wrong. Yeah. based on her own yeah. information and understanding of the situation, but it was completely the wrong move strategically in right. front of Logan and Nan at that point. So yeah, big yikes, and then. Like the fact that like that happens and then things still get worse once this whole India numbers flouting situation happens. And then she's like really in it. Well, this episode answers a question that has been posed for the last, I want to say, couple episodes, which is why does Matson need the deal done now? Like, why is it so important? Why is yeah. he so hot on the deal? And it's because... His India numbers are incorrect. Uh, he said it would be like if there's two Indias and like something about the numbers is wrong. Yeah. Um, I want to connect this to two real life events, right? Two real life situations. First of all, um, Facebook in the past has repeatedly been caught overinflating their numbers of things like video views, right? This is something that's happened again and again and again always in facebook's favor it's never hey we found a mistake and by the way it was way under we were undercounting everything it's always something that was in facebook's favor it's happened a bunch of times um so it is very common for this to happen to tech companies where they're mm -hmm. like hey we have twice the number of users that that we actually do right uh and then i think the fast and loose approach to uh the u.s regulatory environment mm -hmm. i do think uh, is similar to what how elon musk treats um his tech companies when it comes to uh, U.S. laws and such. So uh, I do think, yeah, the, the Elon Musk parallels continue uh, and also the kind of commentary on how uh, CEO, CEOs of tech companies believe they are in many ways above the law yeah. uh, is something you see in this episode. Because he's, he's not like, oh, he, he, there's no sign that he in any way feels any guilt about this at all. He's just like, oh, we're just going to have to, we're going to have to deal with it. It's going to be a thing. But by owning ATN, he can control the terms of the conversation. Mm. and you can see why that would be useful to him from both a communication standpoint, but also from a legal and business standpoint. And that's why he wants to get this deal done as soon as possible. Um, anything else you want to say about that came before we get to the Shiv Tom confrontation? Just that I think that this is one of the few times that you see Shiv like genuinely rattled, like the way that her voice gets all shaky when she's like talking to mm -hmm. Matson and she's like, is this even legal? And you're like, <laughs> Yeah, girl. Wow, that like, was one of your best impressions yet, Kim. Was it? Um, yeah, that was pretty good. That was good. It was a very yeah. shaky shiv voice. Um, <laughs> I, I, I have practiced being a little emotionally unwavered lately. Um, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, that, I guess, is the other piece that I am now thinking of with like Shiv and Roman and Kendall and like the, especially Shiv, like those sort of like hot, cold emotions that she goes through in this episode and like that sort of like rubber band tension that you were talking about again like that's all exacerbated by the fact that she's also actively grieving her father's death and pregnant throughout this episode and mm -hmm. so it's like the the layers to why Shiv is like freaking out in the way that she's freaking out make a lot of sense to me but seeing her like 
seemingly doing well and getting a win in with Matson for the first chunk of the episode and then like having that fall apart too it's just like oh she's not yeah i think she feels really out on her own betraying her brothers and then to think that the thing that she's jumping to the the platform she's jumping onto might be sinking as well is a really bad feeling for her um, but yeah, then, then we get the big Shiv Tom confrontation throughout the night. Shiv has been implying to people that Tom is going to be fired and, uh, that has not made Tom feel good at all. Um, Shiv is using Tom as a bargaining chip. He is, she is ignoring his own feelings and his thoughts, um, and his emotional reality again, which is what got them into trouble in the first place. And so they ha- finally have a big confrontation about it. Um, and I had a couple reactions to this, Kim, this big this big blowout they have at the end. One is I saw a, a, a statement recently that I really align with, which is there can be no intimacy without conflict. Mm. <laughs> and I think Shiv has always wanted to avoid conflict. You know, she said, like, let's not talk about this. I don't have time for this. We can't do this right now because she she thinks that uh, she just doesn't want to deal with it but you cannot have intimacy without conflict you cannot have intimacy without because you will never be someone's perfect match so it's only through conflict and resolving issues uh that you can grow closer to someone and you you saw her aversion to conflict and therefore intimacy come out in this scene again but even throughout the scene she cannot put herself in tom's shoes you know she does not She's always she's fixated on oh what if I've nailed myself to this mast of this ship that's sinking or whatever the analogy is but she doesn't she doesn't seem to understand how deeply she's hurt Tom in any way or that he feels like a um he feels like a pawn in her games and there was a way she could have done it where he doesn't feel that way you know where he felt like brought in you know and and involved but instead she's she's looking out for herself the whole time yeah so I anyway. mean she yeah, could have ahead. even just listened to him when he said i'm really tired and i need to go to sleep right now if she had just listened to that sentence truly instead of brushing it aside which is what she often does when tom speaks to her like she doesn't she doesn't often take many things that tom says seriously um whereas she takes herself very seriously and she wants to be taken seriously all the time but she has a habit of just like dismissing whatever tom's trying to communicate to her and like in this case he was so clearly exhausted he had endured the nate situation i think pretty well all things considered um he had i think i think another piece of it also might be that weird like slightly sexual tension between madsen and shiv that we kind of picked up on in earlier episodes but like i think her i think him watching her like be kind of on his arm throughout the party and laughing and like on the charm offensive as he described it like was also another blow that he was like trying to take as well as possible and if she had just let him go to sleep and get some rest they probably could have had a decent chat about it in the morning and had it not go the way that it did but i think the fact that she was so focused on how she was feeling instead of him just pushed it into the edge and then it was like then they were just both in scorched earth territory and said some of the most like awful (laughs) unrecoverable things that you can say to someone who you purport to love so it was a big i felt my like whole like chest was very tight for that whole scene i also again just my dark brain here i was like that balcony (laughs) 
does not have high enough railings on it for my comfort right now. I was mm-hmm. like, it really felt like something awful was going to happen. And I guess it did, <laughs> but like no one jumped off of their their patio. But like... The thing that made me nervous this episode was when Natsun and Shiv are in the closet together. And I was like, is he going to do something really super sketchy mm. and unfortunate? You know, I hope not. Um, but uh, anyway, I'm glad neither of our fears came to pass. Obviously, the most brutal line Tom says is that he doesn't think she should be a mother. Um, yeah, he just, says, I just, think you are incapable of love, and I think maybe you are not a good person to have children. Just a brutal, brutal line. Which, it like, was brutal. It was brutal when it was said on Love is Blind Season 3. And <laughs> is that what someone said? <laughs> or uh, Love is Blind Season 4, I should what say. What did I miss in Love is Blind? I haven't watched the latest season. Oh, okay. Well, somebody basically says that. And I'm that. so sorry I haven't listened to the Decoding TV it, podcast, which I'm okay. sure are wonderful. <laughs> it is, but uh, Decoding Reality podcast. But yeah, um, part of the Decoding TV network. But yeah, yeah uh, somebody says that, that basically that line, you know, in the show, and it's pretty brutal. So And like, it would be, I think it, it it's brutal enough on its face to say to anybody. Somehow it makes it, I think that it lands worse with Shiv because Tom doesn't know that she's currently pregnant. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like the fact like if Tom had said that to her while she was pregnant, that would be bad, but like s- something about the fact that he thinks that she's just still thinking about having kids as opposed to like actively trying to have kids and he's saying something I I don't know. It's all it's all twisted and awful and like I couldn't believe that it was unraveling that fast after like the whiplash of last episode and being like, Oh, maybe this is, are they going to wind up being the like strangely sweet couple of uh, this season? Nope. No, no bad things. When she was like, your mom likes me more than you. (laughs) I do think there is a side. Yeah. There's this idea of like, uh, if things had just played out a little bit differently, maybe they could have lasted long enough for things to be become stronger between them, you know? Yeah. And sometimes things are left up to chance a little bit when it comes to these relationships. So anyway. Um, okay. Uh, just a few other random things, you know, Willa stands up for Connor at, at the end and Connor is like, you know, I'm going to listen to this one person who doesn't think I'm a joke. And that's a nice, that might, and I think it's very possible that will end up being the strongest relationship of the whole season. Yeah. Um, is Will and Connor. Of all the siblings trying to manage their grief in the days after Logan passing, like Connor followed through with marrying Willa, is yeah. seeming to communicate well with her about what they both need. He got his dad's mansion. It may be the least unhealthy relationship of all the ones on the show. Um, uh, there is a really terrible, embarrassing showdown between Kendall and Matson. Uh, just really cringy on both sides. Like everyone's just saying the opposite things of what they believe. And um, Kendall tries to get Frank on his team at the end. It's really embarrassing. Uh, also, I wanted to point out that Roman has that big confrontation with Connor right after the Jerry confrontation in the show. Yeah. And, like, you can tell he's like really Carrying inflamed that. and emasculated in that moment. And he really wants to take it out on Connor. And it like, it's just going to lead to more unfortunate things. So, and the fact um, that he like rushes to have that fight with Connor, and I clocked pretty quickly that like Matson and Ebba 
are right behind Connor in that scene. And it's like, you kind of watch them in real time, like clue into like what's happening. And it's just so obvious that a lot of things are being said in front of people who should not be hearing them right now at this party. Does anything even happen in New York City, Kim? Or is it just like, (laughs) is it just like stuff that happens in New York that doesn't happen in other countries like, you know, Singapore or whatever, you know? You know, I felt, I really related to Kendall's defensiveness of New York. Yeah. Talk shit on New York. It is one of the greatest cities in the world. Like I've been to, I've been to a decent amount of other cities at this point, and I've lived in New York for a long time. And I think that there is something very special about New York, and I don't like it when people try and say that it must just be overrated and bad. Any other thoughts about this episode of Succession? Only that I, like every character in this show, am now dreading election day yeah i, <laughs> I guess like succession do you, do you, verse I, I think it's gonna be a my guess is it's gonna be a trump parallel where menken wins that's my guess as to where like where nobody anticipates that it's gonna happen right and then menken wins that's Everyone, my prediction but you know right because i made that note even when they're talking about the polling i was like well if 2016 didn't teach us that i think many elections in the time that's passed since then has taught us that like most pre-election result polling, (laughs) like whatever the methods currently being used to generate a lot of those numbers does not seem to capture the reality of what's about to happen in the Mm -hmm. same way. My personal theory is that that's because anyone younger than a boomer does not pick up a phone call from a number they don't know and answer questions about how they're voting. And every text I get that seems even slightly legitimately to be some sort of like voter interest poll, I don't respond to that shit again for like internet safety reasons. So like I, it, it has all, it has been making sense to me that these poll numbers that I see sometimes in articles or on news stations don't wind up matching up with the reality because I don't think that right now we have a good way of actually taking the temperature of voter minds in the country right now so i think we have three episodes left of succession the only questions i have right are like what's gonna happen with mencken probably mencken's gonna win it's gonna be a big upset Uh, i'm shocked that there's gonna be two additional episodes after the mencken election like what what, where are we going with that um what is going to be the result of shiv's pregnancy you know Mm -hmm. uh and will tom find out about it and how will that play out um and of course, will the deal go through? It seems pretty unlikely at this point that that deal is going to happen. You know, I don't think they're going to start the Pierce. I, I, I'm just worried about a uh, Nan Pierce at this point. She's going to get completely screwed, Kim. Nan, Nan's <laughs> Nan won't know how to compose herself after this election. So, oh yes, it's she's fine. Just, She's going to have a huge migraine. Um, yeah, big the biggest migraine of her life. I will yet- also say the other thing I appreciate about this episode was it did it did kind of answer my question about what could be next. Now I think that one of those final two episodes will be the funeral. I think that's what got laid mm, in this yeah, track yeah, yeah, yeah. now. Is like now they've like they started out by building up with like oh the next event everyone's talking about is the wedding. Then the wedding happened. Now they've been yeah. talking about the election. The election's happening. In this episode they started talking about the funeral and I'm yeah. guessing that that will carry through and especially the fact that like the kids all seemed a little uncertain. Roman stepped up at the end of this episode said I'll be the one to like make the big speech. So that's kind of that's also on my sites also it only just popped in my head when you were like i want to know who this podcaster is the podcast looking into kendall's potential manslaughter like 
are have they really just like dropped that thread altogether or is that I don't still think they've something? dropped it. I don't think yeah. they dropped it. I think yeah. it's still possibly going to come back. Yeah. Um so I think so too. Or I I I would say I hope so because yeah. it wouldn't make a lot of it would sense be a really if that was dropped weird entirely. Thing un- yeah, but 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 I think like there what is I think become clear is there is a scenario where they sell the company to Gojo, they make all their money or whatever. Um it would have been half cash, half stock. The stock would have part would have been pretty significantly impacted by knowing that they fabricated the numbers, but they still would have gotten something out of it at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would have been like a decent outcome for all the kids. But what's becoming clear is there's going to be some really terrible outcome where the deal doesn't go through, and maybe both companies fall apart. Like that, yeah. that, that seems like it's also very very possible on the table. So we will see. Let us know what you think at decodingtv at gmail.com. and if you predict correctly. Uh, we may read it on the air before uh, the episode actually comes to pass. So uh, anyway, thanks so much to uh, our paid members at decodingtv.com for getting bonus episodes, ad-free episodes, and early access supporting this show. Um, and email us, let us know what you think of the episode at decodingtv.com. Ken Renfro, until next week, uh, we have our favorite quotes, but where can people find more of your work on the internet? Right here, decodingtv.com. And I'm still hanging out on Instagram with my cat, yeah. Casper. Uh, loving all the daily updates with Kim's cats. Thanks. Um, and uh, let's talk about favorite quotes from the episode. What's your favorite quote from this week's episode of Succession? Mine is is a Kendall a Kendall quote this week, where he says, "Come on, they're not all crypto fascists and right wing nut jobs. We also have some venture capital Dems and centrist ghouls." Yes. In reference to <laughs> Logan's ideolo- ideological yeah. spread at this yes. tailgate party, all, all four of those groups equal in moral standing. We should say, <laughs> you know, so one hundred percent the same. <laughs> My favorite thing is when Tom. I think somebody tells Greg to go talk to Matson, and Greg says. He has in the past expressed a distaste for my particular flavor of me, <laughs> which I think is a really amazing line. And yeah. uh, very, the arms are on TV uh, of mm-hmm. Greg. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Moment. I also am currently uh, expressing a distaste for the particular flavor of Greg that has been emerging this mm-hmm. season. Yes, indeed. not a good guy. Indeed. All right, folks. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Decoding TV. Uh, next week, we got uh, Dead Ringers on Prime Video that we're covering with Sonata Dlaka. And then, of course, the next episode of Succession Season 4. Until then, goodbye. Bye. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.